Father, we come before you. Thank you so much for service today, Lord. Lord, I sense your presence in this place today. And I want to thank you and praise you, God, that you are holy in this place. Father, it seems that we need to take our shoes off, Lord, the place where we're standing, the place where we're sitting, the place where we are is a holy place, Lord, because you are here. We pray, Father, that you will speak through your word now, Lord. Help me to make it plain today, Lord. Pray that you will fill my mouth with your words. They may not be my thoughts, Lord, or my words, but I pray, O oh God, that your word will speak for itself, O oh God. So, Father, I just want to pray for the deaf and pray for Kim as she signs to them that will bless her. Pray for the hearing here today, Lord. We will not hear only with our physical ears. But Lord God, that's not good enough. We pray that you will open our ears, Lord, of understanding. We will hear your voice, O oh God, speaking deeply into our soul, into our spirit. And that will change. Or change us. So Father, we pray with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are back in, uh, in the Gospel of God, Romans chapter 8. Um, I'm going through this chapter very slowly. There's so much in here that we are, are learning together. We come to these two verses, uh, verses 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 8. And I have to say that um, what makes these verses difficult is that people tend to come to these verses with their own agendas. They come to these verses with their own understanding. And they, they try to enforce their own experiences on these verses. But what we need to do is to take these two verses that was read to us in context and understand why they are here in Romans chapter 8. Sadly, again, I have to say that you can take a verse, one verse, and so misuse it that it becomes a false teaching. And there's many churches and many preachers who stand there who bring false teaching to churches. And it's the job of a man of God, the job of a, a person who understands the word of God to refute false teaching and false doctrine. So we have an understanding of the word of God. And so we're here in Romans chapter 8 and, and we come to these verses here. But before we look at verse 26 and, 30, and 27, we need to understand what Paul has been speaking about. You see, Paul has been speaking in um, verse 18. He was speaking about the Holy Spirit in the beginning of Romans 8. It's not the first time he's speaking about the Holy Spirit in these two verses. But as he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, his mind and his argument got diverted. And we see the diversion in, in verse 18 when he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul gets diverted to suffering. 
He's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And as he was speaking about the Spirit of God, he gets diverted and he began to speak about suffering. And he said that our suffering cannot be compared to what's going to be revealed to us or in us. And those of you who were here last week, um, heard the message, you wasn't here last week, you can go online, it's on there as well. But we learned last week that God has said in his word, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has he entered into the mind of men what God has prepared for those who love him. So God has prepared something for those who love him. And we said that God has revealed that. That has been revealed to us. And what God has prepared is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What God has prepared is going to be a new body. This old body is going to be done with, finished with. And God's going to give you a new body. And that's what God has prepared for those whom loves him. And so Paul has been diverted and he went on and spoke about suffering and what God is going to do in the future for you and for me. But now he comes back to speak about the Holy Spirit. And so three things that I want to say that Paul mentions. The first thing he mentions is our weakness. Our weakness. You remember um, in Romans 8, Paul says this, about the spirit. He says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption as sons. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Some of you remember that Abba actually is Greek for daddy. And what comes into mind is that what, boy, what, what, what Paul is saying is that you can address Elohim. You can address the Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega. You can address him as children. You can address him as daddy, Abba. That's what that verse is saying here. Often when we read it ourselves, we often think of um, God. And we think of him in the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son where the father keeps on looking out for the son? And then when the son returns, he runs over to the son. He hugs him and he kisses him and he takes off and he takes his rags off. He brings the, the, the robe and the ring and the sandals and he just blessed the son. And when we think of that story, we think about the father going out of his way to love the son. That's what we think about. But in Romans, Paul shifts the focus away from the father and he shifts it to the son. In Romans, he moves away from thinking about what God does and what God speaks to what the Son says and how the Son speaks. Because in Romans, we are encouraged to call the Father Abba. That's what he says. Daddy. Now, um, I was in the, um, we were doing some church gardening a couple of weeks ago and it's amazing 
people who come and help in the garden. I had a 91-year-old, 92, I don't know how old Tony is now. 91, Tony was out there doing gardening, shoveling some weeds. So thank you, Tony, for coming along. Um, he's the oldest one um, in the garden working. Um, but also there was a youngest person out there as well. And Grant had his children out there. And as I was in the garden cutting back some weeds, Kip was hearing his little voice somewhere in the distance. Daddy! 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 It was Harper. The weakest guy in the whole gardening day kept on saying, Daddy! All the time. Because he couldn't do much except for be a little bit of a nuisance in areas. I think Grant will say that. But he kept on calling out, Daddy! Now, he had a relationship with Grant, and so you can call that out to Grant, and that, that, that's great. And when your children are small, they often say that, don't they? Daddy. When they get to a certain age, that little daddy stops, and they start calling you dad. Dad, can I have the car keys? Dad, can I have some more money? Dad. You know, daddy gone now. You know what I'm saying? They get to a certain age. But when they're small, and when they're weak, and when they look a little bit helpless, they seem to want to cry out, Daddy. Allah. Well, when Paul now speaks, Paul declares that you did not receive a spirit that makes you a fear, that brings you into slavery, but you have received a spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you can call God Daddy. Why? Why should you call God Daddy? Well, here it is in verse um, um, 26. It says here, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You see, as little Harper, who's the weakest person in the whole of the gardening day, was crying out, Daddy, because he's weak, the Bible says, you too can call out to God, Daddy, you too can call out to God, Abba. Why? Because you are weak. The focus is not upon God. The focus is upon his children. And his children are the one who call Abba because they are weak. In fact, it's all over in the Bible. When I read this Bible, I see weak men and women throughout the whole book. I see Abraham lying about his wife. I see Sarah laughing about God's promises. I see in the book, in the Bible, David sleeping with another man's wife, Bathsheba. I see Moses turning around and saying to God, I'm not going to Egypt. Can't you send someone else? I see Elijah running away because he's fearful of a woman because she might kill him. I see Peter denying he ever knew Jesus. I see Thomas saying, unless I put my fingers in his hand and my hand into his side, I will not believe. I see weak men and women in the Bible. Not only are these men weak, not only are these women weak in the Bible, but I will say this, you and I are also weak. Shakespeare wrote a play called Hamlet. And in that play, Hamlet turns around to his mother and he says to his mum, frailty, 
Thy name is woman. If you said it today, you'd be shocked, wouldn't he? Frailty. Thy name is woman. And he was saying that about all womankind. That women are weak and frail. But he's not gone far enough. That quote should be changed. That quote should be frailty. Thy name is man. Because man is weak. Man is frail. And the Bible turned around and says very clearly that man has no strength. In fact, look what the Bible says in Hebrews. None of you have been hurt in your battle against sin. In other words, you know what? We give up the sins that we don't really want. We give up the sins that we don't, we've, we've fed up now, we've done that, we don't really want to do it anymore, we give those up. But the sins that we, 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 we still love, the sins that we still hold on, we don't want to give them up. We still, we don't want to, because we're weak, that's why. We hold on to the sins that we like and we let go of the sins that we do not like. In your battle against sin, you have not been hurt, says Romans. So it says the um, writer in Hebrews. We often find ourselves too weak to say no. Listen to what um, John says. Do not love this world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. Men and women, you and I are weak. We fall in love with the things of this world far too easy. We struggle to say no to ungodliness. Struggle to say no to temptation. Struggle to say no to sin. We are weak. But this is the good news. The Romans is full of good news. This is the good news. The Bible says this. In the same way the Spirit helps us. Where? In our weakness. God knows that you're weak. God knows that the men and the women in the Bible are weak. God knows that his church is weak. But what does God do? He sends the Spirit and he helps us in our weakness. Praise be to God. So he helps us in our weakness. But the second thing I want to talk about in this verse that we've been looking at is our silence. You see, Paul focuses on one area of Christ, where the Christian struggles. One area of weakness. So what does the Bible say? In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. One of the weakest parts of a Christian is not the Bible reading. I want to tell you what is your weakest part. Your weakest part of being a Christian is not that you don't read the Bible enough. Your weakest part of being a Christian is not that you don't go and tell your friends that you are a Christian. The weakest part of your 
Christian life is not that you don't attend every Sunday, or you don't attend every Wednesday, or you're not there on a Tuesday or a Saturday. That is not the weakest part of your Christian faith. Let me tell you what is the weakest part of your Christian life. The weakest part of your faith is that you do not pray enough. I see some head nodding. I would nod my head to that because that is true of me. If we look at my Christian life, the weakest part in my whole Christian life is that I do not pray enough. And that should be the same for so many of you here today. Let's be honest. We spend the least amount of time in prayer, don't we? It's not surprising that our praying is weak. And if our praying is weak, then all other areas are going to be weak too. Now Paul turns around and he says that we do not know what we ought to pray for. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Would you be surprised to learn that Jesus had the same problem? Would you be surprised to learn that? That, that, that line, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Jesus had the same problem as well. We see it here in, um, in John 12. This is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Is that how I should pray? My soul is troubled, he says. And what shall I say? How should I pray? What should I pray for? Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? That was Jesus saying that he's not sure what he should be praying about. But not only did Jesus have the same problem, but Paul, the apostle, also had the same problem. Look at what he says. He says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from become, becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Too often we find ourselves not knowing what to pray for or how to pray. And we like Paul Right here, when we get a problem, our first request to God is, Oh Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. Just like Paul, three times I pleaded with the Lord, Lord, take it away. He was praying, but he was not praying in a way that pleased God. He was praying. And so Paul says in Romans, we do not know what to pray for. But the Spirit, at the time when you do not know what to pray for, at the time when you like Paul, saying, oh Lord, take it away, you do not know what to say, the Spirit comes and helps us in our weakness. Do you remember those two brothers, Paul and Silas? They went into Philippi, didn't they? And as they went into Philippi, they began to preach the gospel and they were seeing people being saved and touched. And one young girl was demon-possessed and, and Paul turned around and drove out the spirit from this young girl, delivered her, set her free. But as soon as he'd done that, 
he was grabbed, him and Silas were grabbed. They were taken into prison and they were whipped and beaten. The bats were opened up, there was blood and, 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 and all manner of pain. Then they were taken into the dungeons and locked in the stocks. In the middle of the dungeon, in the middle of the night, no doctors, no nurses, no food, no clothing, naked and pain. Now, if you was in that situation, how would you pray? But the Bible says that the Spirit came and helped these men. Look what we read about them. Let's go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. How can that be? How can that be? They've just been whipped. They've just been beaten up. They've got their backs opened up. No one put any saddle on or any cream upon them or any bandages. They were in pain. They were half naked in prison. But where do we find them? What do we find them doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God. I'm going to tell you this morning, that is an example of the Spirit of God coming alongside these men and helping them. Jesus said exactly the same words. Jesus said this, didn't he, when he was speaking to the disciples. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Let me give you a little bit of Greek New Testament here. It's not difficult, really. That word comforter, and he will give you another comforter. That word is translated in different versions. In your Bible, you might have comforter. In another Bible, you might have advocate. In another version, you might have helper. But in the Greek, the word is paraclete. That's the Greek word for that word comforter. And that word paraclete actually means someone who comes alongside to help. Someone who draws near when you're flagging, when you're weak, when you cannot stand up on your own two feet, when you can't walk, you're hobbling. Someone comes alongside and takes the weight, takes your body and carries you through a paraclete, a helper, a comforter. That is what the Holy Spirit is. That's what he does. And when those men were in the prison, when those men were being beaten and, and, and being chained and locked, the Holy Spirit came and drew alongside of them. They didn't know what to pray for. They had no idea what to say. If you was there, you would be praying, oh God, you know, heal my back. Oh God, get me out of here. Oh God, you know, we should never come to Philippi. I don't know what your prayers would have been, but you would have been crying. But these men were crying out to God in prayer and in praise. Where prayer and praise is not heard in a dungeon. So, how? What does the Holy Spirit say? Our silence, but our obedience. How does the Holy Spirit pray? That's the question. How does he pray? We already read that verse, don't we? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself 
intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. So, how does the Holy Spirit pray? The Bible says the Spirit groans. You don't groan. You don't speak. No words come out of your mouth. The Bible says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, does the groaning. You see it right there. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans. So it's the Spirit of God that is interceding. It's the Spirit of God that is groaning. The Holy Spirit does the work. He yearns. But the question is, what does he yearn for? What does he groan for? That's the question. And here we, here we, here we have it right here in verse 27. And he who searches our hearts know the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what is taking place. When the Holy Spirit intercedes, when the Holy Spirit prays, he's praying that God's will might be done. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus said these words, didn't he? And so Jesus said these words. Now my soul is troubled. I read those verses before you already. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. Holy Spirit fills this man. No, it was for this very hour I came. Sorry, it's for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, save me. No, can't save me for this hour. This very reason why I've come is to die on the cross. Yes, I'm troubled. Yes, my soul is completely in anguish. Yes, I'm horrid. I feel horrified by the cross. But the very reason why I've come is to go to that cross. How about Paul? Paul prayed three times. Lord, take it away from me. You give me this thorn in my flesh. Take it away, Lord. Take it away. Take it away. But what does the Lord say? This Lord says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not taking it away from you, Paul. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, the Holy Spirit comes. And he groans. And he prays. And he intercedes to God for you. That God's will might be done in your life. Paul and Silas being in prison. Being whipped and beaten, locked in prison. Here they are. They weren't praying that there would be an earthquake. They weren't praying that the bar doors will be shaken and, and, and loosened. They were praying that the prisoner jailer would come out and be saved. They weren't praying any of these things. But as they were praying and praising God, suddenly the ground began to shake. Suddenly the door, the, the, the bars begin to wobble. And before you know there's an earthquake. The Spirit of God released them. They didn't pray that prayer, but the Spirit of God was at work. Releasing them and doing more than what their prayers in the flesh would have accomplished. The Holy Spirit will come alongside you 
when you're facing some tough times. In fact, when you're not facing any time, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and he will begin to intercede for you on God's behalf that God's will might be done in your life. In other words, his prayer will sound something like this, Lord, God, keep them. Do not let that man go back to drugs. Do not let him go back to drink. Do not let him go back into his sin. Keep him, Lord. Keep him. Watch over him. Lord, may she not lose heart. There's so many things that discourages her. So many things that causes her to become depressed. But Lord, may she not lose heart. Keep her, Lord. Keep her. That's the prayer of the Spirit to the Heavenly Father. Constantly praying for you while you are weak. I'm remembered, I'm reminded in the Old Testament of three men. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three men were faced with a terrible situation. They even either have to bow down to an idol and worship the idol. And if they don't, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, I like what they said. What they said was wonderful. And I've got it on the screen here. Look at what they said. These men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I like these men. Even if our God does not deliver us, even if we have to be thrown into the fiery furnace, we want you to know, King, that we will not serve your gods. We will not bow down to your idol. That's the type of men that the Holy Spirit is working to build up today. Men and women who say, I will not bow down to the gods of this world. I will not bow down to the drugs, to the alcohol, to the sex and rock and roll. I will not bow down to those gods. No, 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 not me. I will much rather go into the fiery furnace and be in the will of God than bow down to your gods. How can you say that? How can you say, I will not worship the God of our society? You can only say that because we're weak, aren't we? So easy to follow the crowd. So difficult to go against the stream. Everyone going that way. So you get into the stream and you find yourself going that way. And our society, believe me, my dear friends, our society are headlong going the wrong way. In every area. And it's so easy to step into that stream and to go the same way everyone else is going. Because we're weak. But praise be to God. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray. But he will come. And when we have no words, 
when we are praying one thing, oh God, get me out, oh God, save me, save me, save me. The Lord said, no, not only am I going to save you, but I'm going to make a name for myself that people will know that I am your God. Oh, I may allow you to go into the fiery furnace. Like those three men, they had to go into the fire. They had to walk in the blazing heat. But as they were walking in the fire, God himself turned up in the midst of the fire. And the king stands up and said, I can't believe it. Praise be to God. Whatever you may go through. Yes, it may be hard. Yes, as Romans says, our suffering may be there. But whatever it may be, God says, I will be with you. And I will bring you out in such a way that men and women will glorify and praise my name in heaven. That is how the Holy Spirit works in Romans 8. We see it right clearly. He is the one who speaks. He is the one who prays. And the reason why he speaks and the reason why he prays is so that God's will might be done in your life. So my dear friends, fear not. Do not worry about the trial. Do not worry about the suffering. Not only have you got Jesus interceding for you, but the Bible says you've got the Holy Spirit praying for you as well. Praise be to God. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, sometimes we understand things wrongly. We think we have to do so much work, Lord. We have to speak in this way or act in that way. But Lord God, I thank you that you know our frame. You know that we are just dust. You know that we are so weak and feeble. And yet we can cry, Abba, by your spirit, we can cry, Daddy. Our relationship with you is such that we can be dependent upon your power, dependent upon your strength, dependent upon your grace. We can be dependent upon you, oh God. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for putting the Spirit in our hearts. May we rest upon him. May we lead upon him. As we sung today, come Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me that I might be a man who knows that even though I'm weak the strength is all yours and we pray this prayer in Jesus name Amen